Welcome to the PPR Podcast, where we discuss all things fantasy football, from player news, rankings, projections, and even trade advice. Everything to help you win your fantasy football league. And now, your host, Bob Miller. Hello and welcome to the PPR Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Miller. I have my co-host on here, Rob Sprout. Um, In today's episode, we're going to be covering the NFC East. We're going to be talking about the Cowboys, the Eagles, um, the Giants, and even the Redskins. Um, We're going to talk a little bit of fantasy production and what we can expect from from players like Daniel Jones and and Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon. Uh, What can we expect from Scary Terry over in D.C.? So, uh, without further ado, I want to introduce, I have some great, great uh, guests on the show today from the Back Row uh, Network of Podcasts. Um, I have Mike Bauer from the Back Row Eagles show. Uh, great, great podcast. I encourage everyone to go follow him if you're an Eagles fan. If you're not, still a great show. Um, I also have Adam Boyer on here from the Back Row Cowboys show. Uh, he's got a fantastic show as well. A uh, lot of listeners to that show. We also have Tommy Harvey on here helping out. Um, and so without further ado, we're going to get started in today's episode. And we're going to start uh, with the Dallas Cowboys and what we can expect uh, fantasy-wise out of them. So uh, up first, we're going to talk to Adam a little bit. And, and guys, feel free uh, to chime in with your, with, uh, with your thoughts as well. Um, but the first thing we want to talk about is Dak Prescott. Uh, we know there's a lot of, is he going to get signed long-term? Uh, uh, I've heard that he's been offered, uh, what is it, Adam, about $35 million a year. I mean, what's he, what's he doing? Is he waiting to see what Deshaun Watson's getting paid? Is he waiting to see what Mahomes is going to get paid before he signs? I mean, what's your thought on, on his contract situation? Um, I, I know Dak has come out and kind of said that he wants to set the market. So um, I think Mahomes and Watson, that's probably a year from now. So if, if Dak chooses to go that route, he'll definitely have to play out the franchise tag this year. But Dak's goal is to set the market for sure. Well, what do you expect out of him this year, like, uh, you know, fantasy-wise? Uh you know he's going in the top five uh, quarterbacks across the board right now, and he's he's kind of right there. Sometimes I'm seeing him as the number three guy behind uh, you know Mahomes and Lamar as far as fantasy quarterbacks. He's kind of right there neck and neck with Deshaun Watson, uh, Russell Wilson, and even Kyler Murray. What what's your thoughts of him? Is he a top five uh, dynasty quarterback? And and where would you personally have him ranked as far as that goes? I think he's uh, 100% a top five dynasty quarterback. Uh, I think there's the the top two are for sure Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, at least for me in that order. And then I think there's a second tier of three quarterbacks, and that would be Dak, Kyler, and Russell Wilson for me. I think Watson takes a hit. Um, I, I like Brandon Cooks. If he rebounds, he's you know, a tremendous receiver. Obviously, he's had some injury problems with concussions. That's why he's kind of in my third tier until they kind of revamp that offense. But, um, for yes, I do think Dak is 100% a top-five dynasty quarterback. The front office has done everything they can do the last several years to load him up with weapons on the outside. Also, you know, the drafting of CeeDee Lamb. 
the offensive line is still a staple of our offense. So I think he has everything around him to be a top five quarterback, you know, next six, seven years, definitely throughout his prime. Are, are you basing that off of like last year's stats? He had like 4,900 yards last year, 30 touchdowns, only 11 interceptions. Um, I guess the weapons coming in, but he doesn't really have his security blanket and Jason Witten there. So um, it, before that, he only passed like for 3,800 yards the year before. So I don't know. Maybe Dak just weapons in, made a difference. Dak in every year that he's been in the NFL has at worst at least been a low Q has been a low QB one. So he's always been a top 12 quarterback. Now, a lot of that when he was younger was because of his rushing upside, which I still think is there. But we're passing much more now than we did in the past. Back in, you know, when Zeke's, you know, Zeke and Dak came in together. And at the beginning of his career, Zeke was, you know, 25, 30 touches a week with no problem. Now they've kind of brought that back to 18 to 20 touches. And they're letting Dak throw a lot more. I mean, Last year, Dak had almost 600 attempts. Uh, the exact number, I think, is 596. So, I mean, and with, with Mike McCarthy coming in and with retaining Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator, I don't think anything's going to change about the offense. I still think project him between 580 and 600 passing attempts. And his completion percentage throughout his career has been 65 to 70%. So, if you get, you know, 600 pass attempts at – mid-60s to 70% completion percentage, you know, I mean, with, with those weapons on the outside. And I, I think Blake Jarwin is going to be good enough from an offensive perspective receiving the ball to, you know, fill in for Jason Witten fine. So I don't see why Dak's yardage goes down at all. Okay. Uh, I was just asking. Um, I, I kind of had a little bit of difference of opinion there. I put him at maybe around number six or seven, but I think you may have talked me into it. So, yeah, I don't good know. job. I don't know if he's lost too much with Jason Witten. I mean, that you know, Witten basically was like a four or five yard out pattern. I think about any one of us could do that. Um, so I, I think uh, Jarwin can fill in just fine when it comes to that. Um, let's move on to Ezekiel Elliott. You, you were talking about Zeke a, a minute ago. Uh, where do you have him? I mean, last year he was a stud. Um, I expect him to be a stud again this year. Um it's one thing I was kind of seeing when with the the Todd Gurley situation and and these guys that are these running backs. I mean, right now it seems like the trend is no, don't pay these running backs. Do you see the Cowboys regretting uh, locking up uh, Zeke long term to this big big money? Do you see that kind of you know hurting them in the future? I mean, what what do you think there? The one thing uh, that I can say about Gurley versus Zeke. Gurley had injury problems coming into the NFL. Um, he had already torn the ACL once in college, whereas Zeke has been, you know, a, a pillar of health from his college years into the NFL. And, you know, so he I, he doesn't have those concerns that Gurley had, you know, coming into the NFL. And um, Zeke has always seemed to grow stronger. You know, he's stronger in the fourth quarter than he is in the first. Um, so I don't think we're going to regret that. Obviously, if you watch Dak when Zeke was suspended, he wasn't the same player. So so that's why I don't think we're going to regret that contract because Dak is a much better quarterback when he's got Zeke behind him. Um, yeah. 
So now I'm I'm fine giving Zeke that contract. Well, it, it, the reason why I was kind of curious, it just seems like every running back that's getting this big money, you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley, um, uh, who was it, Devontae Freeman, it just seems like every team uh, almost regrets it. And I was just wondering, is it the time, you know, is, is Dallas next? Are they the ones that's going to be worried about uh, Zeke's contract? You know, because they've always seemed to have some some cap issues. And I thought maybe this could hamper them in the future. Tommy, um, what's your thoughts on that contract situation? I think there's three running backs in, in the NFL that contract-wise, you pay them whatever whatever they want. And that's McCaffrey, that's Saquon, and that's Zeke. I think those three guys are worth anything you want to give them. Okay, well, that was uh, quick and simple there. Okay, so talking about him, where do we have him as far as uh, running backs in a PPR league, you know, dynasty value? Where, where, do, we, uh, where do we see him? Is he, is he top three? Is he kind of dropped down to top five? Uh, uh, Rob, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I have him as definitely a top five running back this year. We're probably looking at maybe even top two or three. With the addition of CeeDee Lamb coming in, it's going to pull some coverage out there uh you guys are talking highly of Blake Jarwin I have some comments about that in a little bit uh but yeah I feel like he's definitely going to be top five running back this year he definitely is getting weapons put around him and I think Dallas is doing a good job with that I am a little nervous the whole Mike McCarthy thing with how he likes to use running backs but I don't think it's going to matter in Dallas because we all know Jerry Jones coaches that team yeah, that's true, Adam. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, you, you are you, do you agree with that? Do you have him kind of top three still? I do. Um, obviously, there's a, a tier break between running back two and running back three. At least for me, it's 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 Barkley, it's CMC, and then uh, Zeke is the top of that second tier for me. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, even with the weapons on the outside, Kellen Moore is still the offensive coordinator, and and that offensive line is still there, and. That offense has moved for years based off the back of the running game. I, I would hope that Mike McCarthy has learned enough in his year on the sidelines that, that you've got to go with what works. And, and that team is built to run the ball and set up the pass off the run. Yeah, you can't go in there and reinvent the wheel uh, with them. I mean, you, you pound the ball and it opens up things for those wide receivers. Uh, speaking of the, uh, uh, of the wide receivers, what's your thought on Amari Cooper uh, this year, Adam? Uh, do you have him still as a wide receiver? One, there was a little bit of inconsistency with him uh, this past year. Do you expect him uh, to be solid this year? I mean, what's your thoughts as, as far as he's concerned, as, you know, in a fantasy league? I think uh, some of his inconsistencies at the end of last year, a lot of that was due to health. Uh, after, after he got hurt, uh, you could tell that he wasn't the same player. Uh, his snap percentage went way down towards the end of the year. There were third downs in which we were pulling him off the field. And, you know, as your best receiver on your team, how, how can you pull Amari Cooper off the field on third and seven when everyone knows you're passing? Yeah. Um, I, I think he's going to come back with a chip on his shoulder. I understand he got the big contract. And, you know, a lot of people will say once you sign the big contract, you know, it changes some players' mentalities. But he was in Oakland for so long you know, not winning, not competing. This is a team that that's going to compete for the playoffs. And to get over the hump, he knows that he has to be successful. So I think, you know, between the end of his year last year, not ending the way it wanted, um, and just the drive to win again, 
I, th- I think he's going to come back in, in a big way. Wide receiver one, that's going to be tough. There, there are a lot of mouths to feed on that offense. But I think he can definitely be a high-end wide receiver two, top 15, because um, he has shown the ability to take over games, and, and that doesn't go away. I mean, he's super young. He, even though he's on a second contract, he's still, what, 24, 25 years old? Yeah. Yeah, and everybody's concerned about his contract, too. Uh, it's super front-loaded. Uh, mm-hmm. Dallas is a 2022 out, basically, only a $6 million dead cap for him in that year. So they could let him go then. Uh, yeah, they could. They base could their offense on. off of however they want. Yeah, they could move on from him and not have any guaranteed money. Uh, and I, I want to say even as, as early as after this coming season. But, you know, I think that that kind of helps his situation because, yeah, it may be a five-year deal, but in a way it could only be a one-year deal. So it's almost like he's got to play uh, for his right to be on the Cowboys. And, and with Dak wanting to earn the money he wants to earn and Cooper wanting to, you know, maintain the contract that he has earned, I, I believe those two could uh, – could uh, put up some magic this year as far as fantasy numbers is concerned. Um, uh, does anybody else have anything to add as far as uh, Amari Cooper's concerned? Uh, Tommy? I think with Amari Cooper, they have to feed him early. If He has to be motivated in order to play throughout the game. He had several games last year where he didn't catch anything early on and then just kind of disappeared because he wasn't interested. Um, at least that that's the way it felt watching him play. He just seemed uninterested if he wasn't brought to the game plan early. Hmm. Um, I think think I think with him they gotta feed him early and they gotta feed him often. Yeah, just gotta get him involved early. Okay, well that makes sense. So l- let me ask this. Uh, you know, with that Amari Cooper contract, I mean, a lot of people are gonna have these questions uh, for the next couple of years because Dallas drafted CD Lamb. Um, before we talk about CD Lamb, does the acquisition of CeeDee Lamb, the drafting of him, how how much does that mess up Michael Gallup's value? Adam, what's your thoughts on that? There is a world in which all three wide receivers can be successful. Um, not wide receiver ones, but, but everyone can be uh, useful for your fantasy team. Even if you look at last year's targets, um, Michael Gallup got 113 and missed two games. Amari Cooper had 119 and missed one game. Randall Cobb, who's no longer with us, he's with the Texans, he leaves and takes 83 targets with him. Jason Witten, who left and went to the Raiders, takes 83 targets with him as well. Now, Jarwin only had 41, so obviously that's going to go up. But just between Cobb and Witten, that's 166 targets that need to be redistributed amongst, you know, other offensive weapons. And, you know, you look at Tavon Austin, he had 24, 25 targets. Devin Smith, even the the game he played when Amari was hurt, you know, he had 10 targets. So the the targets are building up. There is is a world in which all of them can be successful. Probably not league-winning high-end wide receiver ones, but I think they all have potential to have wide receiver one weeks with still providing solid wide wide receiver two value. I think two of them can do that for you with probably CeeDee Lamb not quite being there because he's a rookie because there's probably not going to be an off-season program. So he, he's missing out on valuable time. Yeah, just I can agree with that. that. Um, I would say that Gallup is probably more valuable in a best ball situation just because, like you said, they're going to have individual weeks where they put up wide receiver num- 
wide receiver one numbers, and I think he's going to have those those big weeks as well. Yeah. Yeah, I could see him being a nice uh, best ball play uh, there. You know, a lot of people were, you know, I think the the people that were more pissed off about the C.D. Lamb uh, drafting were not Amari Cooper owners. It was the Michael Gallup owners. I mean, they all, I mean, people that own Michael Gallup, we all have them in our leagues. Um, they were just going to swear by this guy and thought that he was about to blow up and become a high-end mid mid wide receiver too and, and help him win uh, that championship this year. So I know that pissed them off quite a bit. Uh, speaking of C.D. Lamb, uh, what's our thoughts on him? Uh, uh, Adam, wh- you know, are you excited about them drafting him, bringing him in? Uh, do you think that that has any, you know, any kind of a uh, influence on the, the Amari Cooper uh, situation, or do you think they're going to roll with all three? Um, it, on an episode of, of ours, we did a, a mock draft episode, and um, I really wanted Caleb and Kaysen because I thought we needed to improve the pass rush. Obviously, he was there at 17 when we were on the clock, so the initial drafting of C.D. Lamb, I was very disappointed because I thought we need to improve the pass rush. But the more I look back at it now, he was the number six player on our board. So Dallas stuck true to their board and took the best player available. Um, and as you know, I've thought that process out, I get more and more excited about the fact that we are going to be a very hard team to defend on offense. CeeDee Lamb played in the slot some in college. Michael Gallup lines up in the slot. Amari Cooper lines up in the slot. So it's going to make it very hard to game plan. You know, most teams you can say this receiver is going to line up to the left, this receiver is going to line up outside to the right. But our offense, you know, maybe even in the same formation, all three receivers could play a different position. Now, I think that's later on in the year. Obviously, at the beginning of the year, depending on what kind of offseason we get, I think they're going to try to simplify things for CeeDee Lamb as much as they are because he's a rookie. But I think Amari Cooper and Gallup, knowing the offense, having that offensive coordinator, you know, two years in a row, know the system, so they'll be interchangeable. And and you try to make things easy for C.D. Lamb, and then at the end of the year, maybe you throw a little bit more to him kind of week by week. Well, we got a lot of folks that that have their rookie drafts that are going to be coming up, creeping up on them soon. Um, And they're going to be faced with the decision to take uh, C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy – maybe Justin Jefferson, and uh, even Mike's boy up there in Philly, Jalen Rager. Uh, what's everyone's thoughts? Who should be that first wide receiver taken uh, in a rookie draft as far as like a dynasty league goes? Still take C.D. Lamb. Yeah, C.D. Lamb, wide receiver one. Uh, I think Rager moved up in, in my standings. Him and I have him and Jerry Judy kind of back-to-back 2A, 2B. But um, I think Jerry Judy is, is number one. If, if we learned anything from last year, A.J. Brown was most, you know, very high on most people's boards. He got drafted to Tennessee, which looked like a horrible situation, so a lot of people bumped him down. I got him in a super flex league last year at, like, the 2-3 or the 2-4. And, you know, obviously looking back now, that's a steal. Yes, it was. Yeah, I drafted him pretty late, too, in a few of my leagues. It was nice. Well, it's just a crazy loaded – wide receiver draft class also that has so many guys who could fight for that wide receiver one spot. I mean, you're able to go at least 10 guys deep who I think could could be, could be have very good careers. Yeah, I completely. 100% I agree. Yeah, and, and I think that, uh, you know, given the quarterback situation, that offense and everything, I would have to have C.D. Lamb as my number one um, as of right now as far as a, a rookie draft goes. Um, as well. Um, 
So anybody, uh, anyone else got anything to add to that at all? Nope, nope, and nope. Okay. I do have one yeah, quick thing. Um, yeah. Everyone talks about the outs on the Cooper contract. Uh, as much as I love Michael Gallup, I, I like all three receivers. I, I love a, a situation in which we keep all of them, but unfortunately there is a, a cap. Um, no one's talking about the fact that Amari, that Michael Gallup is going into year three. Now, he was a third-round pick, so he only has four years on his rookie deal. Mm-hmm. So the same way we could get out from under Amari in 2022, Michael Gallup only has this year and next year on his contract. Now, granted, he's much cheaper than Amari Cooper, but there is a scenario in which Amari Cooper comes and balls out and does what he did when he first came to Dallas from Oakland, and maybe we hold him and him and CeeDee Lamb are the wide receiver one and two for Dax Prime. You'd also have to think Gallup is going to get paid. Yeah, there's that. There's that. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he had a thousand yards last year. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of potential there, and uh, you know, the NFL these teams love paying people on potential, as we see. And I can imagine Gallup would get a nice contract from a team out there. I don't. I don't know if Dallas would would have the money to uh, to sign him long term. Yeah, I don't. I don't really think so either. I think they wind up keeping Ceedee Lamb and Amari Cooper. I think it's put some pressure on Cooper to do better, and uh, they're putting some weapons all around Dak, and just basically to attempt to justify giving him that mega deal. Yeah, yeah, they don't want to piss off Dak or anything. So, uh, speaking of the one and only Blake Jarwin, what's our thoughts with him? I mean, there's it doesn't seem like there's very many tight ends there in Dallas anymore. Um, Adam, can you see him possibly being like a, a tight end one in fantasy? I mean, is that possible? Uh, before the draft, um, I, I had done a um, couple startup drafts, and I was drafting him kind of everywhere as like a, a good wide receiver too. Not as my starter, but a bye week filling, thinking you know he has some top twelve upside. I think the drafting of Ceedee Lamb probably hurts him more than anyone. Um, that three. Those three wide receivers are going to be very hard to cover. Someone's always going to be open, and I, and I just I think that affects Jarwin more than anyone because he like like we said at the beginning of the show, Dak doesn't have that instant connection with him that he has with that he had with Jason Witten, and um, while it looks very good at the end of the year, you know, Amari can work the middle of the field. Michael Gallup can definitely go over the middle of the field, and so can and C D Lamb. Tommy, so it's not going to be just Darwin owning the middle of the field to himself. Yeah, well, that is. But speaking of that, Tommy, can you see uh, Jarwin becoming kind of like that security blanket uh, for Dak? You know, maybe over the middle of the field, you know, kind of, you know, quietly getting, I don't know, five or six catches a game. I mean, can you see that happening? I could. Jason Witten was tied in number eight last year with 63 catches. I mean, those those targets have to go somewhere. I do think I do think there's going to be some situations where Jarwin comes off the field because he's not the blocker Witten was, so he's not going to stay on there the the entire game. Um, but me personally, I got Jarwin as my wide receiver as, as my tight end ten right now. Nice, nice. Uh, Rob, you got anything? Anyone else got anything to add to? Yeah, I'd love to chime in here. Yeah, I know you did. Go go right. Oh ahead. yeah. So uh, Blake Jarwin, Oklahoma State, right as yep. a senior, he had. A whopping 19 receptions. Now, it went for 309 yards, which is pretty good, and two touchdowns. But 
19 receptions. 2017 with Dallas, zero stats. 2018 with Dallas without Jason Witten, 27 catches, 307 yards, three touchdowns. Last year with Jason Witten there, 31 catches, 365, and three touchdowns. Now you bring CeeDee Lamb into the mix. I don't think he's getting any more targets. I think he's he's a 30-catch guy for the year. <laughs> wow. Well, that would uh... – Man, whoever drafts him is going to be pissed off if that's the case. So, um. One thing on Jarwin, though, Jarwin has the seam-stretching ability that Jason Witten you know, hasn't been capable of in years. So he adds an extra layer to our offense, and having you know, a Michael Gallup who's a, not afraid to run the, you know, the shallow routes, it, it opens up you know, Jarwin being able to work kind of the deeper part of the field because he has enough athleticism to do that. Jason Witten, Jason Witten never had that. Right, but now you replace a, a, a slot receiver type with Jason Witten with a CD Lamb, and you have the same situation for Blake Jarwin. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'll agree with that. And I think there was this a- is just me. I kind of think our, our slot player in three wide receiver sets is probably more likely to be Amari because CeeDee Lamb worked more on the outside in his college career. And, and like I said, I think they're just going to try to make things easier for Lamb his rookie year. Well, there was I also agree. the point that that Randall Cobb is gone now also, so his targets have to go somewhere too. So, I mean, you're you're bringing up probably, was that 150 targets that have to go somewhere? Right, in, right, in right. Between so maybe and in between Randall Cobb. Maybe you're seeing CeeDee Lamb get more targets than everyone's anticipating right now. I think he's going to be special teams initially, but I have a feeling he gets into the fold way sooner. Well, you could be right there. I guess uh, we can be all over the place when it comes to Blake Jarwin, so I, I suppose the uh, season's going to tell us uh, what to expect. So uh, if anyone is a, uh, a Jarwin owner out there and, and believe in that, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be against going and uh, getting you another tight end just in case um, – Jarwin doesn't produce so um, we Adam we really don't talk about defenses very much uh, when it comes to fantasy but Dallas has a pretty damn good defense they've got some great linebackers they've got some pretty decent secondary and they've got a great defensive line um, there's a lot of my listeners that are IDP uh, players um, such as myself and, and and I know Rob plays uh, yeah, some yeah. IDP uh, a couple of years ago, Demarcus Lawrence was a damn stud uh, on the defensive line, and last year it didn't really put up the numbers. Um, as far as a defense special teams uh, is concerned, how do you see uh, how do you see this team's defense going? And and specifically, players like Demarcus Lawrence can they uh, become elite again? I think to start the year, uh, our defense is going to be. I wouldn't want our defense to be your, your only defense, um, which most people that play defensive special team leagues, you just you hold one. And then you just – I play in some fantasy leagues where we have to play, you know, a team defense. And I tend to stream defense uh, more than anything. So I would not look at the Cowboys to begin the season. But I think as they become more comfortable – I think we're a team that towards the end of the year, middle part to end of the year, is going to be much stronger than we are to begin the year with Mike Nolan coming as our defensive coordinator. Now, in the past, under Rod Marinelli, we were a bend but don't break. We didn't create very many turnovers. The only way we helped you 
was with sacks. And last year we didn't do that very well, so they weren't a great defense last year. So I think this year with that new mentality of go get the ball, you know, fast, physical, um, I think we have a chance to be a much better team defense this year. Uh, as far as Demarcus Lawrence goes, we need him to come back with a chip on his shoulder. You know, like you said, two years ago he had 17 sacks, and that's what got him that payday. And once he got paid, you know, he he wasn't the same player last year. For this defense to take the next step, he has got to be the player that he was two years ago because on that opposite side where we had Robert Quinn last year, he's now gone and he's taking 11 and a half sacks, 11 and a half sacks with him to the Chicago bears. And so we've got a trio of Randy Gregory, Alden Smith and Bradley and I over there. So, so teams are going to be able to focus on Lawrence. So he's going to have to find a way to be productive um, this year while being the focus again on the defensive line. Yeah, yeah, and speaking of that of that defense, um, talk about the the draft uh, for the Cowboys and and what your thoughts on 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 who they picked and and maybe some defensive players they got. Is there anyone that really stands out to you that you're excited about as a Cowboys fan? I have several. Um, we went very very heavy on the defense. Uh, obviously, everyone talks about the uh, drafting of C.D. Lamb. In the second round, we took Trayvon Diggs, uh, a corner that I'm very excited about. Um, he's the brother of Stefan Diggs, so obviously you've got those family bloodlines. And, and what better player to practice against than your brother, who's one of the better route runners in the NFL. And he's also a former wide receiver. So, uh, you know, I think he is a tremendous corner. He's a ball hawking corner. Six foot one, two hundred pounds. Um, I think he has a chance to become our cornerback one, not to begin the year, but you know, towards maybe the end of the year as he gets more snaps under him, gets more comfortable with that defense. Yeah, yeah, um, he was a he was projected to be a round. I mean, a first round pick in almost every mock draft out there, and then he fell to the fifty first pick to them. So I think that was a hell of a steal uh, uh, for them. So yeah, good job for the Cowboys uh, grabbing him. That's certainly going to help. Um, what else you got there as far as the uh, as far as the draft goes? One last quick note on Diggs: We yeah. tried trading up in the from like pick forty. We started making phone calls to go get him. So that's how much we liked him. Um, just just a quick note on him. Another player uh, I love Neville Gallimore. The more and more I watched his tape as we went to do our draft breakdown, I he's uh, probably going to be our backup three technique behind Gerald McCoy. Obviously, Gerald McCoy's thirty two, so I don't think he's going to. Play, be an every down player. I think we're going to have a nice little rotation. Um, that is an upfield go get the ball player. Uh, so I'm extremely excited anybody, about him. I've never seen anybody so fast off the ball. Yeah. That guy, Seth, that, man. One thing Seth said on our, our breakdown episode there were times where the ball and him were moving at the exact same time. As soon as the center moved his wrist, he was going. Uh, yeah, extremely high motor. Um, I do like Reggie Robinson. He was our next round pick. He was a fourth uh, round pick. Corner out of Tulane, six foot one, 205 again. So we've, we've got a profile of corner that we want. He's an outside corner, uh, very long, very physical, does not mind getting in on the press. So I think we're moving to kind of a press coverage defense under Nolan. 
And then Bradley and I, you know, a lot of people think Bradley and I was a steal for us. Utah's all-time sack leader at 29 and a half sacks. He was so a steal. I, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think he can be a 10-sack guy, but, but even if he can be an 8-sack guy in kind of a rotation, if he's an 8-sack guy and Tank Lawrence plays the way he's getting paid, then we don't need 10 or 12 sacks from Bradley and I. Well, I mean, that's good stuff. And like you said, with the drafting of Gallimore, that's only going to help that defensive line uh, that much more uh, going forward there. So, man, great stuff. Thank you so much uh, for for your breakdown as far as the uh, Cowboys go. Um, I encourage everyone to go give your podcast a follow at the Back Row Cowboys Show. Um, it's a fantastic show. I listen to it every, every episode there. So everyone, please go give Adam a follow there at Back Row Cowboys Show. Um, moving on, we're going to go on to the, to the Philadelphia Eagles now. And there is a lot of chatter going on with them right now uh, with their running back situation. But we're not going to start there just yet. We're going to start uh, with their quarterback situation and... You know, a couple of years ago, Carson Wentz was was elite uh, when it came to, when it came to fantasy production. Um, Mike, uh, what's your thoughts as far as Carson Wentz? Does he take that step forward back into the elite uh, QB one conversation this year? Are you guys ready to talk about the division champs now? I love what I'm hearing. Um, well, he <laughs> did finish last season as a quarterback one. I just want to say um, he did. Set the franchise record, first Eagles quarterback to ever pass for over 4,000 yards, first quarterback in NFL history to do so with no wide receivers over 500 yards. Um, so, you know, you could say what you want about Jalen Hurts and the quarterback factory. It's all BS. He signed Wentz to a long-term extension for a reason. Before we get into it, though, um, what do Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, Ryan Tannehill, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, and Andy Dalton have in common? They've all missed the same amount or more games than Carson Wentz since 2016. Wentz has missed eight. Big Ben leads that with quarterback uh, with 17 games missed, yet none of these guys are talked about as being injury-prone. Um, I think part of it is it happened in back-to-back seasons. I get it. Um, the fact of the matter is this team would not be where they are today without two things, one Carson Wentz and two Doug Peterson. Um so I think Carson Wentz, you know, a lot of people are all, all over Baker Mayfield. He's going to be a top-tier quarterback, blah, blah, blah. And that's great. Baker Mayfield has great swagger. But you know what he doesn't have that Carson Wentz does? An arm that can get the ball down the field. He's great in short and intermediate routes. Carson Wentz has a cannon. He's more athletic than Baker Mayfield has. You can go ahead and add me on Twitter, at the TheMBauer85. I'd love to discuss it with you. But I think he has a shot to be a QB1 and a high-caliber one, too. Dak may finish higher. I'm going to give Adam some props there. Um, Jerry really didn't screw up that fourth-round pick when he did it. Uh, but there's a reason he was drafted in the fourth round. Sorry, Adam. Love you, buddy. Your show's great, by the way. But um, it's just it is what it is. Um, but Carson has a shot to be up in, like, the top six area. They did add a lot of good versatility and speed in this offseason. So um, draft him later than guys like Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson, and it could pay off for you. Yeah, I'm a Carson Wentz guy. I, I am. I, I, I've been a big, big fan of his. I've had him uh, for several – I mean, d- dude played with a broken friggin' back, for crying he out did. loud. He did. You know, he and, did. And, 
<laughs> you so. know, a lot of people called him soft after that game against uh, Seattle. But you do realize when you get a concussion, they, they take you out of the game. You're not allowed. Like, they take your helmet. They don't let you come back in. At the end of the day, you let Jadavian Clowney hit you in the back of the head and see if you could still play. Because I don't think you're going to be able to. It's just that easy. Yeah, yeah. Does anybody else have anything to, you know, what he also should have been ejected from that game? Yeah. How did the referees not see that? Is what I like, seriously, how do you not see that? I I don't know. Did he get fined for it afterward? I don't even remember. No. Oh, perfect. Good job, NFL. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, player safety, that's what that's what it's all about, right? So, we were sitting here talking, you know, about Dak a little while ago as far as his, his dynasty value. Um, I'm really, really curious because there's people all over the place when it comes to Carson Wentz. There's those uh, injury truthers out there that will never take him because they think he's just another injury waiting to happen. Uh, I'm not one of those. But wh- where do we have him? Uh, where, what's your thoughts on his, his dynasty value? Where, where do you rank him as, as amongst the other quarterbacks? You know, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't have a set rankings that I just have laying around. Yeah. Um, Everything's fluid and it could change. He's really low for some people. I mean, I see a lot of people taking guys like Josh Allen and Daniel Jones above him. Nothing against those two guys. I think they're they're both fantastic young quarterbacks. Um, obviously, you have the top tier, like you have Mahomes, you have um, Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, there's still a lot of people that they like to regurgitate these older guys like Drew Brees and... Uh, Ben Roethlisberger, and listen, big credit to what they've done over their careers, but when we're talking about dynasty, especially in startups, um, you need to think some youth too. So a friend of mine, Cody, is actually doing a dynasty startup right now. He saw Carson Wentz go in the eighth round, I think. Is that Superflex? No way. um, way. It's a 16-team IDP league. Okay, yeah, no Superflex. One quarterback probably. Yeah, Yeah, honestly, I don't play a ton of Superflex. So, um, you know, I think he – but he's still – he's devalued. And super flex, and it's just crazy. Now, I mean, hey, again, credit to Dak Prescott. He stayed healthy his entire career. Um, he does have a better offensive line, better arsenal around him. Um, as much as I love Miles Sanders, I will say Ezekiel Elliott is a superior running back than him. Uh, the defense in Dallas is comparable to the Eagles. Um, so, you know, all those things factor into it when the defense can get – off the field and get the offense back on the field, Dak's going to have more opportunity. Um, last year, still don't know how we won the division. <laughs> like, nobody wanted to win the NFCs last year. Yeah, somebody it was disgusting. had to. But, Adam, I think you can agree with me on this one. That's not going to be the case this year. I think the NFC East is a lot better than it was last year. It's not going to be a 9-7 and team winning it. Yeah, I would agree. Um, our, our schedule, uh, someone might finish 9-7 and because we played the um... – it's the AFC North, and we also play the NFC West. I mean, that's a lot of competition. And just to um, give some ratings, I play a lot more Superflex than I do um, IDP. I would probably have Dax or went somewhere around quarterback seven or eight. I mean, as far as talent goes, he's got everything. I mean, he's accurate. He's got a cannon. He's very good in the short and intermediate. And also, if it's third and four – he can get five yards, which if you have some rushing upside in fantasy, that's gold. I mean, Lamar Jackson was a quarterback one and a running back two in one person just because of that rushing upside. I mean, Wentz is, Wentz is not going to rush for 1,000 yards, but no. he can give you three or 400 yards easy on the ground. Yeah, he's got I some mean, wheels. 
he threw to no one last year and still set the franchise record in, in receptions. And I, I drafted J-Jaw everywhere. Uh, shout out to Garrett Price on the uh, Dynasty Nerds. <laughs> you know, I drafted J-Jaw everywhere. But he he wasn't the player, at least last year, we thought he was. If he takes a step forward and Jalen Rager is everything that kind of the Debbie guys think he's going to be, all of a sudden you've got a really good wide receiver one and a really good wide receiver two, and Ertz and Goddard are there. All of a sudden, Wentz goes from you know throwing to no one to having a really really nice pile of weapons around him also. And and you know Rager can catch the ball unlike Aguilar, so <laughs> yeah, he's a Raider um, now. Aguilar. Hey, uh, I'm I'm in the middle of a, a best ball super flex startup right now. Carson Wentz went as the number six overall QB at the three four. No problem with that at all. I think okay. talent wise, he deserves to be there. Um, it. it it just really confuses me and, and, and concerns me that with his age, the amount of injuries he's already had, I mean, that's that's pretty concerning. Well, Frank Gore tore both his ACLs, didn't he? Or he tore the same one twice, and he's still playing, so. I think Frank Gore's torn about 18 ACLs. He's got <laughs> ACLs think... in his elbows, <laughs> you know, all that. I think, I think Frank Gore's a Disney animatron. He might be. That, he's just a different kind of guy at, at 37 and still getting contracts. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm 35 and thinking about lacing up against these guys. No, not going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think Carson Wentz uh, is definitely in the upper echelon as far as quarterbacks. And as far as a fantasy perspective, I have no problem taking him as my, you know, sixth or seventh quarterback off the board. I'm not concerned about the injuries. And just like we were talking about and, and, and the points Adam was making there, the weapons around him um, are just going to make it a lot easier on him. And and, and speaking of those weapons, uh, Mike, what's your thoughts on Miles Sanders uh, this year? A lot of folks have big expectations for him with Jordan Howard um, being out of town. What's your thoughts there? Well, I'll just uh, segue into this because if you listen to the Dynasty Rewind, you do know I am the segue master. Uh, you have on the sheet that you also uh, have the rumors of Carlos Hyde signing. Um, so I'm going to say, if you're an old school Eagles fan like myself, Carlos Hyde to Miles Sanders is what Dorsey Levins was to Brian Westbrook. It's a depth signing. Um, he might steal a couple goal line carries. Miles Sanders is not the most physical guy, but I will say this. He's more physical than people think he is. It's hard to come out of Penn State and Saquon Barkley's shadow, uh, but Miles Sanders was highly recluded. He was Mr. Football in Pennsylvania in 2015, I think. Five stars. Five yeah, stars. Fi exactly. Five-star recruit. So um, he's better than people think, but I actually am okay with them signing Carlos Hyde, to be perfectly honest with you. Their uh, running back room is extremely young. They have Miles Sanders. They have Boston Scott, young. They have Michael Warren, who's an undrafted free agent. And uh, Adrian Killens, I think, is also an undrafted free agent. So you need that veteran guy, not necessarily to get carries, but to show these young guys how to prepare, how to be an NFL player. So that is why uh, signing like Carlos Hyde is important. From a fantasy perspective, it's going to dip into it a little bit, but not to the point where I think people are panicking and selling off their Miles Sanders shares based on a rumor. Yeah. Come on, yeah, like, yeah. Come be, on. be a better dynasty player than that. Seriously, well, a, yeah. a lot of folks are, uh, are. You know, I'm looking all over Twitter, and people are freaking out that are saying, "Oh man, if if Carlos Hyde signs, uh, then that's going to drop Miles Sanders to a low end RB two, maybe a flex play." Um, I think there's going to be quite a few people that listen to this 
particular episode just because of Miles Sanders and what we think and what we expect out of him. So uh, that that was one of the things I really wanted to touch on. It, I don't think that Carlos Hyde's really going to hurt him very much at all. I think it's just going to give him a little bit of a breather, um, you know, so he can take a take a break here and there. But I, I do see Miles Sanders still being, uh, you know, kind of a back-end RB1, um, and he's I think he's going to catch quite a few passes in that offense. So in a PPR league, uh, he's going to be very, very valuable. Uh, Rob, what's what's your thoughts on that? And we're, we are the PPR podcast, right? Exactly. So, uh, yeah, it. Miles Sanders had 50 receptions real quietly last year. Mm-hmm. 509 yards, three touchdowns, and that was just receiving. Uh, 818 yards on the ground last year. He was number 21 running back, I think, overall. I think he's going to do a lot better this year. I think the Eagles are going to be a better offense. And I, I think you're going to see less committee things, sort of things happening. And Miles Sanders is going to take that step up. Let's I not think you could very easily to... see him be a back-end RB1. I think the guy has immense talent. The, and don't the forget question Doug Peterson. I have, oh, sorry, go ahead. The question I have is, do you think that the Eagles are trying to force Boston Scott into that Darren Sproles role? Um, Maybe. It's possible. I, I don't. He, I, you never know. I think, really, I think the whole Carlos Hyde thing is just pure depth. Uh, Boston Scott's going to be a guy that spells whoever the lead back is. But when Miles Sanders was drafted, Doug Peterson also did come out and say, I've never had a three-down back or anyone as talented as Miles Sanders. So when your head coach says that, you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty important. So, you're, so we're basically all saying is if you are a Miles Sanders owner – don't freak out. Don't no. worry. Also, isn't isn't Carlos Hyde the player you'd want to be signed to Philly? Like, wouldn't wouldn't they panic more if they signed a Devontae Freeman or a Devonta Freeman because he has some pass catching ability? I mean, exactly. Carlos Hyde is really just a two down thumper, whereas Agreed. Miles Sanders has shown that he is a he he doesn't catch just checkdowns. Miles Sanders can run routes like a wide receiver. Right. So yeah. I would want a hide there as opposed to a Freeman because he does nothing on third down, and and those catches that's that's gold in in fantasy for a running back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the only thing that I could say is if it's third and inches, if you're a Miles Sanders owner and you see Miles Sanders get pulled off the field and Carlos Hyde comes in and let him get beat up on third and one, instead of Miles Sanders trying to run you know sneak it up the middle or whatever. Then, then you're happy a guys like that, like that is there, because then Miles Sanders gets to, you know, lessens that chance of injury. Yeah, so. and, and and so, kind of talk. We you, you mentioned Boston Scott uh, uh, a couple of minutes ago. Uh, man, that guy was a nice little fill-in last year and helped win some people some ball games uh, as far as fantasy-wise goes. Uh, can you see something like that happening again? Is, do you think he's more of a third-down back? Uh, do you think he's a nice stash to have in a dynasty league just in case? So if I have a guy like Boston Scott, what I'm doing is stashing him for right now. I'm going to wait until um, he does what he did last year. He had that, that game against the Giants last year where he just exploded. When he does that early in the season, I sell him. That's what I think about oh, yeah. a guy like that. You know, you, you need RB3s and RB4s on your team, but when you're building a fantasy team, specifically a dynasty team, you want to have as many starters as you can, obviously. 
So um, I call it points chasing. That's uh, it's oh, yeah. kind of like a trade philosophy I have, where I let somebody else trade me things and chase points from the past. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to give you guys a good example, just real quick. I don't want to clog up my time on somebody else's trade. Um, in my home league, I've been trying to get Mark Andrews forever. I offered Dallas Goddard in a second. This was before last season even started. Mark Andrews exploded. Um, that was turned down. He then traded Mark Andrews straight up for Darren Waller. And I said to him, Alex, what are you doing? He's like, well, Darren Waller finished his tight end three. I was like, Mark Andrews was tight end five, and he's five years younger or four years younger. I'm like, you're nuts. Now I eventually ended up getting Mark Andrews. The guy that got him, I traded him straight up for Carrion Johnson. So um, I did okay nice. on that trade. Deal. Good trade. Three days before the draft. Good um, stuff. Good stuff. So, yeah, I call that points chasing. I let people chase points from the past because sometimes people only look for how people finished and they don't have the foresight to look at what could come ahead. So let people make, you know, chase points, have bad trades. That's well, kind of a strategy of mine. There's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's always those guys in your league that get hot and horny over uh, what happened last week and you yep. can sell off to them. So yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't be that guy. Um, hey, I got a question real yeah. quick. If you don't mind me jumping in. Um, let's, how do you feel about Corey Clement? Apparently he's healthy. Uh, back Coming back from his shoulder, he was on IR a knee the year before. Uh, I personally love the guy coming out of college. Now, is he going to take Boston Scott's role? Is there a chance that he winds up being the backup to uh, Miles Sanders? It. I actually forgot about Corey Clement. Thank you. I did talk about him a week or two ago. Um, I love Corey Clement. Obviously, a huge part in the Eagles' Super Bowl run and the Super Bowl itself. I believe he was their leading receiver. Um, hometown kid from New Jersey, grew up an Eagles fan. Um, so you love the story, but at the end of the day, Doug Peterson is going to have the best player on the field win. And if it's Boston Scott, it's Boston Scott. If it's Corey Clement, it's Corey Clement. Um, they also picked up Michael Warren as an undrafted free agent out of Cincinnati, running back who I like a lot. Yeah, and, I liked that guy too before. I remember yeah, him I actually, signed there, and then they got Rodney Anderson up there, and I think that was it for Michael Warren. Yeah, I um, I'm kind of surprised that um, that he wasn't drafted. To be honest with you, when we we looked at our rookies in the Dynasty Rewind, I thought he had a shot to be like a fourth, fifth round pick ish. Um, but Eno Benjamin was also a seventh round pick, which surprised me. Um, but still, I, I, it's going to be kind of a crowded running back room. But it's a very young running back room, so it gives me a lot of hope. But uh, the Corey Clement signing, I do like it. Probably more for nostalgia than fantasy purposes. I mean, for Corey Clement to really be fantasy relevant, there's going to have to be a lot of injuries. He's going to have a game where he catches like an 80-yard touchdown pass on a screen because someone falls down. And you're going to have him and someone's going to be like, I want this guy. And again, you ship him off. So <laughs> yeah, that's what I do with him. Just have I'm someone with you chase chase those points and, and speaking of chasing points i have a, i've got a confession to make i have always been a sucker for alshon jeffrey oh yeah I'm, I'm sorry I, I had to come out and and let people know i have always loved me some alshon jeffrey because when he was on the field man the guy produces but it between him and aj green i, I just want to beat my head against the wall uh, because those guys miss so much. What what's our thoughts on Alshon Jeffrey this year? Is is he still 
capable of being a wide receiver too in fantasy or uh do we do we just need to kind of uh cut bait on him and just it, it just avoid him at all cost so first things first i had to see if he's healthy i think he blew something out in his ankle um it was a, i know it that, was his achilles wasn't it i believe so i don't really remember because everyone in philadelphia and the surrounding areas were kind of disgusted with all sean jeffrey there's a thought to believe that He's the guy that was spreading the rumors about Carson Wentz. Um, there was some sort of locker room animosity there or something like that. I don't know. Um, I think but, he came out and said something that like, that's just rumors. That none of that's happening. I don't have any animosity. And yeah, maybe he's just trying to cool know. things down. But I think he's maybe frustrated be. with himself in general. Well, yeah, but don't take it out on the franchise quarterback because at the end of the day, you're going to get cut, not the quarterback. That's just always how it works. You can look towards T.O. and McNabb in the past. Um, that's a shit show for another day. But first we had to see if he's healthy. Now, if they really want to get rid of him, I'm surprised they didn't. I actually had a scenario worked out where they would have traded him to San Francisco during the draft. But um, if they want to get rid of him, what you'll see happen is um, he'll get put on the pup, probably, and they'll IR him, and then he'll just get quietly released next year. My personal opinion, if you have Alshon Jeffrey, you should move him now. And here's the thing, if he comes out and has a good year it's always better to get out a year early than a year late it's the way i see it get max value yeah. now before you and can. he's 30 so now's the time so yeah yeah exactly. i completely agree with that I, i've always been a, a a big supporter of of trading a, you know getting moving someone a year early than a year too late there so yeah and, yeah, and good stuff you can justify your your sell points with uh, i think doug peterson came out and said or uh who's, who's your guys Zosi? He he came out and said the plan is for Alshon to be a major part of the offense, mm-hmm. which, sure, uh, so <laughs> use that and go sell him, get what yeah, you exactly. can exactly, get him what, out of there. What what do we think about Deshaun Jackson? Uh, just a best ball play, or or, or is he worth owning, uh, really, in any kind of fantasy league? So him and Jalen Rager are going to kind of have the same thing. Um, you're going to have him on your bench when he goes off, and you're going to start him when he does absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. These guys are very talented. Um, I also see here, sorry to segue ahead, am I happy with the Rager pick? Yes, I am. I love the pick. A lot of people clamoring for Justin Jefferson. We have plenty of slot receivers. We're good. Uh, we need someone that take, can take the top off of defense. Rager could do that. So these guys, in my opinion, are probably going to be better best ball players, but there was one draft I was in, that for whatever reason I was on the clock, I was at 111, and I was going to take Denzel Mims, and I just was like, you know what? I feel like right now, right here, if I don't take Jalen Rager, I'm going to regret it. So I'm hoping I'm wrong about him being just the best ball guy, um, but I think Deshaun Jackson's going to be okay. Probably better for regular NFL than fantasy football, though, because it's going to be spotty. Maybe this year. Uh, I think Rager's a little more than take the top off kind of guy. Uh, I think next year they go out reach for a little more speed. Rager is pretty fast, but he's also not afraid to run those slot routes across the middle because uh, he knows he's going to be able to duck his way out of getting hit. And he, when he does get hit, he still holds onto the ball. Where, so where do we uh, have watching the watching the tape on him? I think the dude's just a stud, and yeah. I'm looking for immediate contribution from him, especially if Alshon is not healthy. You can count on him being a big part of the offense. Yeah, what do we expect? I mean, you know, where where do we have him ranked as far as rookie 
rookie drafts go. You know, we were talking about uh, C.D. Lamb a little while ago. Where do we have Rager? I mean, do we still have him behind a Jerry Judy or maybe even a Justin Jefferson? Is he that number four guy, or or does anyone have him any higher or lower? Um, I don't have my rankings right in front of me. I do have some rookie rankings here somewhere. Um, I think I had him five or six-ish around there. I still have C.D. Lamb as my wide receiver one. I did pre-draft as well. Uh, Garrett Price from the Dynasty Nerds actually has Jalen Rager as his wide receiver one. Um, I'm I've high seen, on him. Not I've seen that. Yeah, I'm not that high. Don't get me wrong. I, I love the guy. There's a lot of Eagles fans that were pissed off when they drafted him. And they're the fans that go, I've never even heard of this guy. That's because you're listening to Angelo Cataldi in, on WIP, the guy who's not even from Philadelphia, who's a self-proclaimed Eagles fan. He's a Yankees fan and probably a Giants fan, whatever, in real life. Doesn't matter. Not better at all, are you? <laughs> well, it's one of those things. Don't preach to the people of Philadelphia when you aren't from there. You know what I mean? I'm not from Philadelphia, but I live close enough that I could be there real quick. So I have more of a feel for the the you know the overall attitude of it, I guess you could say. Um, so if you don't know who Jalen Rager is, why don't you go on YouTube and look at some highlights? You'll probably be pretty impressed. I think people are too enamored with statistics. Uh, as opposed to what people can actually do in their skill set and how it translates to the offense. But Rager, I think, is you know a more complete receiver. I, he is definitely not just a down-the-field guy, and I think that's why he's bumped up so many people's rankings. His, his situation alone, he's 2B for me behind Judy. I think he's capable of so much more than just running the nine route. I mean, I, you could easily see a scenario, you know, 80 catches for him um, just within that offense because – there's opportunity for an alpha to step up. Hey, real quick, I, uh, I've i done a few rookie drafts already, and these are super flex leagues. I'm looking at three different drafts, and in three different drafts, he's going 112, 112, and 2 1. Yeah, so, well, I, I right took there, him at back, 111. Back the first. So. Right, yeah. right. I'm, I'm not hating on that. I personally think production wise, he's going to wind up being better in the long run than maybe. Like your Henry Ruggs or somebody. Yeah, yeah. Jerry Judy's got a lot of competition in Denver still. So I would agree with yeah, that. Rager's going to get a lot of targets. I think he's going to get a lot of action. And and I own the two one pick two one and in, in a uh, upcoming draft. And if I could get Rager there, I would be one happy guy. So it's possible, yeah. Um, moving on to their tight end situation, there. Um, a lot of people have been very very happy with Zach Ertz fantasy production. But he gets banged up quite a bit, um, and you got those people that are the Dallas Goddard truth, truthers out there that hold on to him to think that he's going to be uh, the next super stud. How much longer do we need to hold on to Zach Ertz, uh, Mike, or, or is it is it time to possibly shop him? Is this one of those situations to get out a year early before it's a year too late? I think as long as Zach Ertz can put on a football uniform, you should have him on your roster. Um, we see guys like Jimmy Graham being somewhat fantasy relevant. Um, so even if he's not an eagle, that doesn't mean he's going to be devalued necessarily. If somebody signs him as a free agent and pays him a lot or trades for him, it means that they want him and they have plans for him. So if you have both guys, you're going to want to hold on to him, to be honest with you. Now, that being said... If you can trade Zach Ertz and get younger for like a Mark Andrews or get a massive haul and even an even younger guy like Dawson Knox, 
you know, if you can get good value now, do it. Um, I have more Dallas Goddard shares than I do Zach Ertz shares. I do believe in Goddard. Um, all those rookie years, he had Nelson Aguilar hands, which I wasn't too happy about. But um, there's also another guy that they picked up. His name is Noah Togiai. I think I said it right. He's an undrafted free agent from Oregon State. He is a Zach Ertz and um, Dallas Goddard clone. He's a move guy. He's athletic. He's not real huge. He's 6'4", 246. So to me, what that says is they're preparing for life without Zach Ertz probably within the next two to three years. So yeah. if you want to start th- getting value, then it would be the time. The time to think to move them would be now. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. The Eagles have a potential out in 2021 with only 7.7 uh, dead cap, 7.7 million dead cap for him in 2021. And if they got that guy and he's from what you're saying, he's a clone. Look at the Eagles continue to run two tight end sets and moving on from Ertz to free up some cap space. Yeah, because they're kind of married to uh, Alshon Jeffrey. It's It's been a little hard to get out, out of that, even though they'd love to do it there. You know, it, it's kind of funny. We were talking about you know, getting out a, a, a year early or, or getting that value. Um, as we're sitting here doing this show, uh, Tommy Harvey over here uh, is getting offers on Zach Ertz as we speak. And uh, one of the guys in our Dynasty Superflex League just offered him DJ Moore and Sam Darnold straight up for Zach Ertz. I'm a and it's super flex. It's a super flex, man. I'm thinking I'm uh, jumping all over that. I'd so, say take it. Yeah, I'm taking it. Yep. Yeah. Hit, yeah. I except mean, if yeah, you're not smashing smash. except. Yeah. I mean, hell, DJ Mora is enough for me, but to throw in Sam, Sammy Darnold there, uh, I think that's a no brainer right there, Tommy. So I'd probably jump all over that, bro. I like I Darnold. To do that. I'm a big On fan air of, trade. I'm a big fan of Goddard too. So I'd least I, have Darnold is going to outlast Gaze. So for sure, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think we can all agree to that. Yeah, so Tom, you should jump all over that there. Um, real quick, uh, Mike, any any thoughts on the Eagles draft? I mean, you got any uh, any thoughts there as far as uh, anyone that sticks out to you that you're real happy about? I'm assuming you probably want to talk about Jalen Hurts a little bit before we move uh, on. Yeah, you can. <laughs> he he was a draft pick. Um, so when it happened, the look on my face, my wife knew not to talk to me for a little bit. Uh, we've been together almost 10 years, so she knows me pretty well. And I didn't understand it, but the more I read into it, my brother-in-law Vinny sent me an article about that they want to do possibly this super flex offense, blah, blah, blah. Um, Personally, I think Jalen Hurts would have been better suited to go to a place where he had a shot to be a starting quarterback. He's not going to get that here. If Wentz goes down with an injury and misses maybe four games or so, let's just say, just throwing a number out there, Jalen Hurts shows, well, what you're going to have happen is team's going to come calling, Howie Roseman's going to move Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I feel like I he was do. just a, a best available sort of pick, and he's trade bait. True. Now, what what I heard, Adam, maybe you heard about this. The Eagles wanted to trade up and get um, – they wanted to trade up with the Cowboys. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They wanted to trade up one pick ahead of the C.D. Lamb pick to the Falcons. But they didn't want to give up this pick here, um, which was pick 53. I have it here. It was pick 53, yeah. Um, that would have gotten them CeeDee Lamb. The Falcons took their guy. Lamb fell to the Cowboys. Then I heard that they they took Jalen Hurts to keep him away from the Cowboys. So 
Uh, th- that's obviously all speculation. I don't know if it's true or not. Adam, have you heard anything about that, possibly? No? Uh, I've heard rumors about both. Y'all, uh, you guys were definitely trying to trade up to get um, – and we did have a video conference with Jalen Hurts, and uh, we were uh, – fans are told that Jerry Jones walked away very impressed with Jalen Hurts after that video conference. Yeah, I mean, I actually think – He's a little, he would have fit in well if they decide to not pay Dak whatever he wants. You know what I mean? Um, but I know it's one of those things where, hey, you never know. Maybe they let Dak walk and make a trade with the Eagles, right? It's possible. <laughs> it, it would be I would have weird, to thank the but... Eagles for taking that decision out of Jerry Jones. Let's hope, let's hope not. I, I'm, I'm happy with Dak where he is. Um, but their draft overall, love Jalen Rager. Now, Bauer um, hasn't said this yet but we did make a trade with philly um yeah i think that that was mentioned on the uh on the on-air thing like oh my gosh dallas and philly are making a trade oh yeah i'm sorry during the draft when you guys got that center right because uh travis frederick i believe that was Uh, tyler biotish yeah yeah we could pick good pick for the cowboys though i think he's going to be great you know the the cowboys offensive line stays good as they have uh, for well, pretty much forever. Um, but uh, the Eagles drafted. They, they got Davion Taylor in the third round, a guy who's played like eight games of football, very athletic. Uh, to me, their steal of the draft is Kayvon Wallace in the fourth round, safety out of Clemson. Clemson safeties in Philadelphia seem to mesh. They got uh, lineman Jack Driscoll. He's a guy. John Hightower, never heard of him, but he's really fast, good hands. Sean Bradley, linebacker from Temple. Quez Watkins. I don't know what kind of name Quez is. I kind of like it. The wide receiver from Southern Miss, fast. Uh, then they got Prince Tega Wanago in the sixth round. That's a guy that, I'll tell you what, this dude's nasty. You want to talk about a nasty lineman? He's mean. I love him. They got Casey Tuhill in the seventh round. He's a project. Um, so offensively, they, they kind of did the same thing during their draft. It was speed and versatility on the offensive side of the ball. And on the defensive side of the ball, it's speed, versatility, and sure tackling. So overall, I like the draft minus the second round, but we'll see. Maybe that pays dividends for them in the future. I guess we'll have to wait and find out. Man, that, that was great stuff, Mike. Um, Thank tell you. everybody out there where they can find you on Twitter. I know you've got the Dynasty Rewind and the Back Row Eagle Show, but yeah, tell everybody all about you. True. You can uh, find me on Twitter at the mbauer 85 I would much rather you prefer... The Eagles podcast, which is at backrow underscore birds. And for more dynasty trade talk, you could, or any type of dynasty fantasy talk, you could follow the dynasty rewind at dynasty rewind. Lots of great guys over there. Um, you know, we love feedback We're we try to be really good at responding to people. Um, we love to talk to our listeners, honestly. So you can hit any of us up. We're always available. We have a Facebook group. We have an Instagram page. Um, sometimes I'll do like a live recording when I'm recording the show. You can see my ugly mug. Um, so yeah, you know, yeah, it's great we, stuff. We love man. talking to you. Yeah. You've got a great, great show in the dynasty rewind, man. We really appreciate you. you being on here. Um, so let's move on real quick, uh, to the New York giants. Uh, we don't have a giants guy here, so we're all going to kind of chime in on this. Uh, let's start off with Daniel Jones real quick. Uh, Rob, I'm going to, I'm going to start with you. Can he, or will he be? a QB one in fantasy? I think maybe eventually once they 
really figure out what weapons they want to put around him. I don't think this year's the year. I think you're looking at a middle-of-the-road QB2, um, a super flex start for sure. So I'd put him down there in a super flex spot. He is going to have those weeks where he just pisses you off and he gets you like seven or eight points because he threw three interceptions and uh, fumbles the ball twice, which he's pretty good at, honestly. He's really good at fumbling. Uh, so he can count on him for that. So Dynasty QB ranking, I'd, I'd say put him back into the top 15. So once he can get his body under him, so to say, and that, that may help him control the fumbling issues and other things like that. And he's quite panicked, honestly, when he's back there behind the line. So yeah, he hopefully flashed. they get their, their, their line figured out for him. Yeah, that'll, he, that'll help a lot. He had some big games, and, uh, you know, a lot of people like to – they, they like to just focus on that and see that that's the potential, that's the uh, that's the ceiling, and, and they like to live off of that. So if you have that person in your league that, that looks at things in that perspective, then you might be able to get a, a nice little ransom uh, for him, especially in a dynasty league. Um, Tommy, do you have something to shed on Daniel Jones there? Yeah, I just think that their draft this year could only help imp- help him improve. They they went really offensive line heavy, which is what they've needed for the last several years, is to build a good offensive line. And I think that was their focus this year. I think that helps them get more than uh, was like a six point six yards per attempt. Yeah, like come on, dude, that, that's that's really low. But it did help him get a sixty one point nine percent completion percentage. Mm-hmm. And when you're only dinking and dunking, you can hit your targets. Yeah, uh, Adam, Mike, do you all have anything um, you'd like to chime in about Daniel Jones? Uh, I'll agree with everything you guys said. Uh, they're on their way to improving that offensive line. They took an offensive lineman um, to be their left tackle of the future at number four overall. Um, I think Darius Slayton is a very talented receiver. I think he's going to take another step forward in that offense. I think if you buy low on Daniel Jones now, you can see the fruits of that, you know, like, you know, said before, next year, the year after. And that's going to be totally dependent on your league, too, I think. In Superflex leagues, you're not buying Daniel Jones low. Yeah, He's already going, like, two firsts minimum. I just acquired him this offseason. I paid at, at 12-man Superflex League, I paid the 1-8 and the 2-4. Uh, the only other quarterbacks I had on the roster were Drew Brees, uh, had Jacoby Brissett, Nick Foles. I, I faded quarterback. Last year was my first year really into – super flex and and i didn't understand the value of quarterback and how when you don't have them you have to to pay to get them right and i would say even you got them pretty cheap uh if you try to get them for that now in most leagues you're kind of going to get laughed at that's that's an instant reject yeah i'm in a i'm in a dynasty league uh where you know, I was pretty stacked everywhere as far as running back, wide receiver. It's an IDP league as well. It's super, super flex, all the above. Um, but the place I really needed some help was at quarterback because I was rolling with uh, with Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers, and I ended up losing in the championship game. So I thought to myself, I've got to get younger at quarterback. Um, so I made a couple of offseason moves 
um, where I've moved those two QBs and I've acquired Daniel Jones and Dak Prescott. So um, I have high hopes for for Daniel Jones. And uh, and and before Tommy says anything to me, uh, the person I got both of those quarterbacks from was Tommy. So yes, they were from me. <laughs> so I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that pays off for me. Hopefully you sold high, Tommy. I traded him Dak today for Leonard Fournette and Drew Brees. Mm. I'm guessing, you Tommy, nice. you're probably a win now. Yes, that's all. That's always my philosophy. Okay. Yeah, he needed some help at running back, and uh, and he's still going to get pretty good production out of that quarterback position there. But uh, definitely a win now move. He's gonna he's gonna have to make a quarterback move again next off season. Uh, definitely. Well, Drew Brees' contract is two years uh, guaranteed, right? Two years, fifty million guaranteed. Uh, yeah, but there there's. There's been all this reports out there saying that this is his final year, uh, um, that the the way they're preparing everything as is as this is his final year. Even though he did ink a two year contract, this looks like this is it. This this is it for him. As a caveat to that trade, I also have Jameis Winston. Very good. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Didn't uh, Tom Brady sign a two year deal last year, and he's down in Tampa? Or was that the year before? And he was actually I think a it free was the agent. Year before. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he was a legit free agent. There. All right. So, all right. So uh, let, let's move on from from Daniel Jones here and talk about uh, Superman himself. There, Saquon Barkley. You said um, it wrong. You what said did it's, I say? it's 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 Baquan. Baquan. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, Saquon. Yeah. Listen, I'm a big Saquon guy, and um, obviously our our number two. Uh, Probably over, he's my number two overall pick in dynasty, uh, whatsoever. Um, as as far as it's not a, a super flex league, uh, are we all kind of there? Or does someone have a a wide receiver ahead of him, or does anyone even have Saquon ahead of of McCaffrey? I think uh, it'd be smart to take Saquon ahead of McCaffrey. I don't think many people were doing it, and the reason I say it's smart is. I feel like his usage is a little better. He's not getting beat up quite as much as Christian McCaffrey. CMC takes a lot of hits, mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And Saquon is built quite honestly better to take to absorb some hits like that. So I, I feel like CMC is going to fade a little faster than Saquon will. I would agree with that. Yeah, isn't CMC coming off a 400-touch season? Um, you know, the, oh yeah, the history the of four the, the history of four hundred touch running backs is the year after is always kind of injury riddled. You know, I, not that I think that's going to happen with CMC, but I definitely think he takes a, a step down well, from last year. I mean, last year was just that was an, a historic season. You know, and last off season the the coaches were come out saying they were wanted to to take a load off of him, and and he wasn't going to see as many touches. And then here he get, he goes touching it four hundred times. Yeah, what do you have? One hundred eight catches. Is that what he had? Uh, yeah, something like that. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, it was a historic season. Um, I definitely can see a little bit of regression there, um, and and I can see positive uh, positive stats for Saquon. I could see him uh, putting up more points uh, this year than, than last year, especially with Daniel Jones having a whole offseason under his belt um, and to be prepared for uh, this coming season there. Well, Saquon I think them missed addressing... a couple games last year too. 
Right, and I think them addressing O-line, Saquon's probably very happy with the draft. For as bad a year as everyone said that Saquon had, you know, everyone, you know, of course his rookie year was a fantastic year. He was running back 10 last year, running back 9, running back 10, and at least uh, PPR. Yeah, I think we can all agree that uh, that Saquon's a stud, and and to take him high and don't look back. So. Right, I think in, in Dynasty you take him over CMC. I think in Redraft I'm probably taking CMC over him this year. Yeah, that 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 sounds about accurate for me as well. So so moving on to their wide receiver uh, situation there, who's the wide receiver to own there? Is it is it Slayton? Is it Golden Tate? Sterling Shepard? Uh, are all those guys worth having? Is or is there one that really, really sticks out uh, to us that we should uh, jump all over first? I I think it's Slayton. He he developed a pretty good chemistry with Daniel Jones last year, especially towards the end of the season. Uh, Sterling Shepard just has to stay healthy. I mean, that guy wasn't on the field very much last year at all, and Golden Tate just is what he is. So so. I think that Slayton is also the guy to own. Uh, Sterling Shepard, I think he's a, a constant wide receiver, too, on the team. I don't think he's the number one option, and his stats kind of dictate that. And so did uh, Golden Tates. They're both around 50 receptions, uh, five to 600 yards, a couple touchdowns. But then you had Darius Slayton, who's out there stretching the field and making people look dumb. Like, just being honest, like he makes people look stupid. And even with Daniel Jones panic throwing the ball all the time, he had 48 catches, 740 yards, and eight touchdowns as a rookie. Yeah, you, you get like a healthy line in there protecting. Uh, you maybe get Evan Ingram back here soon. Uh, you're looking at everyone coming back healthy. I think Slayton is going to be the guy to own. There's just too many people to cover. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he's a, a nice target. Um, no matter what league you're in, I don't care if it's redraft, a keeper league, or a dynasty league. Um, if you can get him now, I think that his value is probably going to be the lowest right now than it may be uh, for the next few years. So, yeah, I'd say go yeah, sneakily try to acquire Slayton. I have him in a lot of places, and uh, a lot of people tried to get me to move him. I just won't. Yeah, and especially I got him so late in so many places that. You know what I mean? Even if even if I hold him and it doesn't work out, I didn't pay anything for him. Exactly. So I'm fine with just hanging on to him and seeing how it works out. He's a hard guy to let go of right now. So yeah, there, I have a spot for him. You know what I mean? Like I got that soft spot that I just don't want to let him go. And I love the rapport that him and Daniel Jones have as well, like you guys mentioned before. So. Well, if yeah. you talk about the 48 receptions, um, you know, a, a lot of that was kind of, you know, middle towards the end of the season it was. because his snap percentage at the beginning of the year was, was very low. I mean, it was, um, you know, so he came on and, and got better as the year went on and as he started getting, you know, an 80, 85% snap share. Yeah. Right. And that, that's only going to go up. You're going to see him. I, talent wise, I think he's the number one receiver on that team. Yeah, and, and, and we all kind of agree on, on Sterling Shepard. I think you're going to die a very lonely old man if you still hold on to Sterling Shepard, hoping uh, that he's going to do something. Because, I mean, this is going on about four years of that now. Um, but is Golden Tate worth having? 
I mean, can he be a sneaky, nice little PPR play? I think I so. Think so. Yeah, yeah, I think he is a great floor guy. Um, you know, he's going to catch four to six balls every game. I mean, he 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 doesn't have weak winning upside the way that Slayton does. But I think if you need a nice floor wide receiver three, plug him in. He's going to get you ten to twelve points every week. Golden Tate will do that for you just about every week. A good, good, yeah. solid bye week guy, huh? Bye week, uh, bye week flex injury. spot, yeah. Or even like uh, late round best ball, people aren't thinking about him. Yeah, it's actually not a not a bad thought there. So we kind of all agree on that. But here here's a big big thing, a big topic when it comes to the Giants, man, and that's Evan Ingram. Mm. I mean, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> he's got all the talent in the world. He gets hurt. Uh, can this be the year that he stays healthy and becomes that elite? fantasy tight end that every single person that owns him prays to God every other week and hopes for. Can this be the year? You were talking uh, about Sterling Shepard going on three, four years now. That's definitely Evan Ingram. This is what, Evan Ingram's third year, I think? Because he had the OBJ's injured year. I had to step up, and then he kind of got hurt then. And then last year he was – he got a Liz Frank injury, right? So he had some surgery. There's rumors that he's still in a boot, but then there's also rumors that he's been seen running on a treadmill. So typically if you're running on a treadmill, you're not in a boot. Uh, the Giants did pick up his fifth-year option, though, so they're counting on him. He is an elite first-round talent. So all, all, all systems go if he's healthy. I think we're looking at a stud tight end. So... You're looking at maybe number, I'd say, I'd put him up there top five, honestly, like right at number five, though. Yeah, you and I have kind of had that debate when it came to, say, a Mark Andrews, and, and, and you, you like to throw Evan Ingram up there um, in that top five. And, man, he has all that talent um, if he can stay healthy. Uh, should, is he a hold if you if you own him in a in a fantasy league or in a dynasty league or or do any of you all think that it might be a good eye a good idea to maybe try to try to move him now before his value takes a hit? No, I th- I think you uh, you hold him for now and then sell him when he comes out and plays good week one and then get rid of him. I think he's yeah I think he's a hold or a buy low because you know you a lot of people those injuries they're just looking to get out. And, and he, you know, has top five upside. Yeah, he does. I would definitely agree on that. I would want a solid backup, though, to go with him. Yeah, go get I a Jack the, Doyle. Yeah, I, I think the tight end, at least landscape, you know, two years ago, you know, was atrocious. Um, I think this year, with the incoming rookies from last year, I think tight end may be deeper than it's been in a long time. So it's not hard – to have an Evan Ingram as your tight end one and then grab a, you know, you can probably grab a Dallas Goddard as your tight end too because you can, you know, you can get him super late. But I think Dallas Goddard was like tight end 12 in full PPR last year. Yeah, yeah he's I up there. He I don't know how was. late you're grabbing him now with the Earths uh, talk about them moving on from him eventually. I, I think Dallas Goddard's creeping up draft boards. He is. He, he definitely is. I've seen it firsthand. Yeah, especially, like, I play quite a few tight end premium leagues, and he, he's up there. 
So we all think uh, Evan Ingram's a guy you need to hold on to right now. Uh, you know, Rob, you even say if he blows up week one to maybe shop him at that point and try and get you a king's ransom for him. So uh, I'm on board with that 100% because I don't know if he can stay healthy personally. And if I have him, I am hoping for a big game, and I promise you he will be out there on the trade block immediately. Uh, I don't even think the Giants game would be friggin' over by the time I would be shopping him. Um, so, you know, that's my personal opinion on that. So. Um, anyway, so uh, we're done with the Giants here. We're going to move on to the Washington Redskins real quick um, because there, there's a few questions there. There's some guys on this team that, that people, are, people are curious about, you know, when it comes to Terry McLaurin and, and what the hell they've got going on with their running back situation and, and if Dwayne Haskins can be uh, a fantasy-relevant uh, quarterback. So we'll start there with Haskins and, and wonder, can this guy be uh, – worth having in a fantasy league if you're not in a dynasty i mean obviously he's a dynasty uh uh hold but can he be a fantasy relevant uh quarterback on your team um do we think he's going to last there is he going to be there for the next couple of years uh anybody can chime in here mike adam uh rob tommy anybody can can start off there but uh me personally i'm I don't know what to think about. I am 50-50 with him, and I, I wished I had a stronger answer to say, but I don't. I, I am on the fence when it comes to Haskins. I'm out am on I him. Wrong? Sorry, you can go ahead. I, I'm just – I'm out on Haskins. I don't see it. You know, I don't know. He really didn't do much for me his rookie year. You know, a lot of these guys – Remember when uh, Daniel Jones got drafted at six and people thought it was stupid with Haskins on the board? Oh yeah. Right now, I, I, yeah, I think, I think in the long run that's going to end up being the better pick. Um, we mentioned Garrett Price. He even said that he thought at one point he uh, he suspected that Haskins could be the next Rosen, and that the Redskins could take somebody and they could ship him out. So. I'm not really sold on him. The difference between the Rosen and the Haskins situation is I think Daniel Snyder's calling all the shots in Washington, and he likes him. So he's going to be a thing until he fails, which, yeah, you know, like I said, I'm not a fan. And you've got Ron Rivera there now, and it's not a guy that he drafted, um, so that can always play a, a small part in the future of Dwayne Haskins well, there. Um, Haskins Tom- is slow too, man. <laughs> Watching him run so slow. He, he kind of looks like Byron Leftwich or something to me when I uh, that that's the guy I see when I see Haskins play. Well, that's what I see well, is I see a poor man's Jameis Winston, and that's not really saying a whole lot. Well, if yeah. you look at what he did in college, so much of what he did in college was short stuff to Paris Camp uh, to Parrish Campbell and to McLaurin, and then they did the work after the catch. You know, he didn't have to make all the throws in college. Yeah, he wasn't under pressure a whole lot in college to where you could see how he could respond to that. Um, so it's it's a completely different world where he is now. Not for sure. He had a great and, line in college, so he didn't feel the pressure. And I think probably all of us think that they're probably going to finish fourth in the division. If they end up with a top five, top ten pick next year in the draft, if like even a Fields falls to ten, at what point did they say, you know, this is the second year in a row we've been here. Do we need to replace, you know, our quarterback? You've heard uh, Tank for Tua. How about Tank for Trevor? 
It's definitely yeah, a possibility. Maybe. I I just don't see. I I think two years from now there'll be a completely different starting quarterback there in DC. So I would. Agree so with I'm that. like super weird about the whole Redskins quarterback room because we do have Dwayne Haskins, and then they go and they get Kyle Allen. And who did Kyle Allen play for before the Redskins? Rivera. Rivera. Yep. And Kyle Allen played pretty well, honestly, given the circumstance for Rivera. So, I, I don't know. I, I kind of think Kyle Allen's there to push Dwayne Haskins. And Dwayne Haskins was told, hey, just trust me. That's what Ron Rivera said. Trust me when the draft happened. And he did, and uh, they didn't draft a quarterback. So, maybe Rivera's uh, rolling the old dice again. You know, Riverboat Ron, let's see what we can do with this guy. If not, I'm going to put Kyle Allen in there because I know I can trust him to do what I tell him. Well, and he knows the offense. Sure, and uh, let's not forget that Alex Smith's trying to be healthy. Just kidding, it's not going to matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, credit to Alex Smith, though. I mean, dude's been through hell with what he had happen to him, so the fact that he has his leg still and is alive, you're already winning. Oh, right? yeah, 100%. Well, he put though, out like... a video, what, a couple of days ago, and, you know, he looked, you know, he at least looked agile. Mm-hmm. So you guys saw that picture of his leg, right? Oh yeah, I didn't Ooh, want yeah. to, but I did. Yeah, it was I looked amazing. at it and I was like, "It looks gross," but I feel like it smells really bad. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Probably <laughs> that was my even first worse. thought. It's like you know when you have kids, you're like, you look at your kid. I mean, I don't know if you guys have kids or not, but sometimes I look at my yeah. my little girl and I'm like, "You got that look on your face that like, you smell bad right now, and I got to change you." You know, it's it's what Alex Smith like looked to me. <laughs> I was like, oh. uh. <laughs> Did you all ever see, uh, speaking of Alex Smith, did you see that, what was it, that stat line, that that picture that was out there between that was comparing him to Joe Theismann? Did you see that, his injury to Joe Theismann's? Same day? No. Oh, yeah. It was the oh, same. Oh, that was freaky. Yeah, it was the same break, the same injury, uh, on the same day. It was both injuries happened on November 18th. Uh, playing they for were the both missing their starting left tackle. They were both missing their starting left tackle. Both injuries happened on the 39-yard line. and That's and some the, multiverse stuff happening. Listen, and the so final freaky. score for both of those games was 23-21. to 21. So. All right, you're creeping me out, man. I'm <clears throat> yeah. not saying it's aliens, but This aliens. isn't the Twilight Zone, man. This is fantasy football we're talking about. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, you could throw a little bit more stink on it and say that, uh, you know, Joe Theismann was hurt by three-time defending or defensive player of the year, Lawrence Taylor, and Alex Smith was hurt by three-time defensive player of the year, J.J. Watt. So, yeah, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff there. So, listen, let's move on from uh, Haskins. I think we spent way too long on him, to be honest with you. He's a uh, – you know, I, nobody trusts him. We Just like us, uh, the Redskins need to move on from him. So let's move on to that running back situation there. What in the world can we expect from it? We have got 85 running backs on that team. We have Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson, Peyton Barber, Bryce Love, J.D. McKissick, and then a lot of people's nice little sneaky sleepers, rookie and Antonio Gibson. Uh, what the heck can we expect uh, to happen here. Is there going to be someone that can emerge and actually be a fantasy-relevant running back here? Can they stay healthy? You don't know I mean, with that. The, uh, the, the Washington training room, you know, they're not very good at keeping people healthy or helping them recover from surgeries. So, Well, didn't Adrian Peterson 
play every game last year? I'm looking it up right now. I think he did. I don't know about um, every game. I feel like he missed oops. one or two. No, he um, missed one game. He was um, inactive. It was a coach's decision because it created a rift in the locker room. Because for everything he did for them last year, and then they – I think it was week one. Yeah, when they played Geist. Maybe with the whole Geist yeah, thing. And yeah, and that was the, the week that Geist got hurt too. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, I remember I that. Chris Thompson was playing. That was against the Eagles. They they opened last year. Um, yeah, but look, at 34 last year, Adrian Peterson, 15 games played. He started all 15 that he played. 211 carries for 898 yards. Five touchdowns. Um, that's You go get now, it, old guy. Yeah. 17 catches for 142 yards, so not much there. But looking back at it through his career, I'm only seeing his max in 2009 is 436 yards. So obviously not a huge receiving threat. But that's what that's a that's a bye week fill in. That's a, a running low end running back three, high end running back four ish. So you're right, not say, so. so you're saying he's not gonna be a healthy scratch uh <laughs> when Darius Geis comes back for the eightieth time. I gotta be honest with you. That's kind of what started with Gruden. Yeah. You know what? Hey, do you guys think I think Jay Gruden's been done dirty by the the Redskins too. They were always competitive, at least with him. He was never when he finally gets given the quarterback he wants in Alex Smith, the guy almost dies on the field, literally. Um, but the team was always in it, even with Josh Johnson at quarterback, with Mark Sanchez doing the the butt fumble, then butt recovery down there in Washington. I don't know if you guys saw that. But he got a bum deal, man. That. Yeah, yeah. He, he got a I think so bum too. deal. I thought- I think that the whole organization is going to give everybody a bum deal that comes in there until they have some sort of major leadership turnover. Yeah, I mean... Snyder has a lot of that, like, younger Jerry Jones wanting to control everything. I think as Jerry's gotten older, he's kind of stepping back, and Steven has more say-so. So until someone within that organization kind of tells Dan Snyder, look, we pay these people to do a job, let them do it they're going to struggle. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, he seems to always be uh, a little bit of a pain in the ass uh, when it comes to the development of that, really the not only the team, but just the organization in general. So, yeah. I think they have talented running backs. I mean, Geis is really good. Bryce Love had a great college career. Um, Antonio Gibson, I think he, he can definitely catch the ball. He was a wide receiver in college. I mean, I, I think they have talented guys there. I mean, did you see when, when Rivera came out and said that uh, Gibson had all the uh, basically comparing him to Christian McCaffrey and saw a lot of that in him? I think that's making uh, a lot of these fantasy players out there freak out and they're automatically starting to, you know, think that he's this sleeper, this secret. Um, yeah, but you got you got to look at this guy's draft profile, though. Like, let's be real. The guy played two years at Memphis, right? 38 receptions for 735 yards. Like, that's it. Yeah. Tony and Pollard eight, eight put up way but... better stats than him. Yeah. yeah. And where's Tony Pollard? The, I hated that spot. and Stuck not behind because... Zeke and Dallas. Yep. Exactly. That's why I hated that spot. Not because he went to the Cowboys, but because he's never going to see the field. Because Zeke does not come off the field, and he shouldn't. He doesn't get hurt, and he's productive. So... I'd love to see Tony Pollard and Alexander Madness, and I know we're not talking about the NFC North right now, but I'd love to see those two guys get a shot at being a starting running back somewhere. 
Now, Tony Pollard went on the field, made plays last year. I'm hoping they can find a way to try to get him eight to ten touches a game because he is very dynamic. Yeah, he's got a lot of tools. I mean, everyone was uh, jumping all over him this time last year right before the draft uh, because of the holdout with Zeke. And, I mean, there was a lot of people spending some really – Big time money and high draft picks on you know getting Tony Pollard there, so um, he definitely has the tools. Uh, just got to get him an opportunity somewhere to uh, to play more more snaps. So so surreal and back to Gibson here. Um, he does have the ability to carry the ball. He had thirty three carries for like three hundred and sixty nine yards and four touchdowns there too, which it's not hateful. And I think Rivera is speaking to the fact that I mean what what you've seen in Washington so far has been. You know, you have a, a one-two running back, and then you had Chris Thompson come in on third down. Well, Chris Thompson's not there anymore, right? So someone's got to fill in and take those receptions, and there's a good chance it's going to be Antonio Gibson because he does have good hands. Yeah, I'm wondering if Antonio Gibson's one of those creations uh, by the fantasy world. There's always those guys that uh, you have to ha- – no matter what, you have to have sleepers. You know, you have to have those guys that no one's talking about. And I'm wondering if there's any any realism to him being legit or if it's just something that people are putting on him because he has, he's a great target to make him look like he could be something, you know? It could be just good for football and terrible for fantasy. Yeah. And that that's possible, too. Like, great for the team. Don't roster him. You know, I saw all these running back moves that they have, and and I was seeing, you know, Adrian Peterson and Darius Geiser, you know, those first and second down backs, and maybe they picked up Peyton Barber uh, just to back up one of those guys in case of an injury. Or, you know, they picked up McKissick or drafted Antonio Gibson uh, just in case Bryce Love gets hurt because those guys can't stay on the field. And, you know, I I just don't – some of these guys are going to get cut, you know, so – at least for me, I think for the price that you can get him in fantasy, um, Bryce Love would be the running back I would target. Prior to his injury, I mean, there was talk that he was going to go in the first or second round, um, but he decided to go back to college and then got hurt. He was dynamic in college. Now, granted, the injury concern hurts, um, but for the price that you can get him in a draft, uh, Love is the back I would target in Washington. Yeah, you can get him from next to nothing, really. I would agree with that as well. I have him in a couple spots. And and I do think that Antonio Gibson's worth a a nice uh, pickup later on in like a rookie draft, but uh, I'm not going to invest a whole, whole lot in him. But, you know, if you've got a four, you know, four or five round rookie draft, if you can snatch him up maybe in the end of the third round or, or later than that, I think it's worth a shot. So. So yeah, moving moving on to the wide receiver situation there, let's just get down to it. Is there anybody worth having except, uh, with the exception of Terry McLaurin, is there anyone there? I think you could look at a guy like Antonio Gandy Golden. I think he has pretty good potential. He's got really good size. He's kind of similar to Kelvin Harmon, except I think he's better. I would agree. Yeah, with I think that. he's better too, and I think. Gandy Golden is uh, faster on film than his forty time shows, so he, he looks pretty. Well, quick. his and, size and helps create ball. that separation. Yeah. He is a bully. Look, so, you know, speaking I, of it, what do we expect from Terry McLaurin this year? I mean, what what can Scary Terry do? Is he going to be 
Uh, I mean, can we see him being like a wide receiver too, or or being like a best ball stud? Uh, Rob, what do you expect out of him this year? Oh, man, I love me some Scary Terry. Love the talent. Um, I don't love the quarterback throwing him the ball. We've kind of addressed that already. He's got a little accuracy issues, but Terry McClure, and a lot of that is panic in the pocket, and that's that's something completely different. If they can get him some protection and he can get the ball to, to Terry McLaurin, he's going to do better than he did last year. Last year he had 58 receptions for 919 yards, but it was on 93 targets. Like, that's that's a lot of balls that he didn't catch. Well, I could see his targets going up tremendously this year. Right, I agree. Um, there's not really a whole lot anyone else doing things there. Um, so I, I would take Scary Terry real quick. I, I think I, I'm he's a dynasty buy for me. Redraft maybe a little later on. Uh, maybe a wide receiver three or flex type play. Mike, what do you think about uh, McLaurin? Uh, do you have him up that high, or, or would you take him higher? Um, I like Terry. Um, I personally think, excuse me, he could be a like a high wide receiver too. To be honest with you, um, it, it kind of sucks. With you know, one thing that I think we need to factor into as well, um, he didn't play a ton, ton with Haskins. I, you know. Um, I think Haskins missed some time too. Um, Keenum started the year, and I think Colt McCoy played some, and blah blah blah. So there's not really an off season as of right now to to establish a rapport. So I think one of the things that we need to look at when we make our moves, and not saying to fade these rookies, but something to think about is continuity is going to be a player's best friend. So. Um, He's really just a slight step ahead of, of Antonio Gandy Golden if you think about it, right? Just because well, I think they, I think they have more continuity just because they're familiar with each other from college. I mean, Haskins and, and McLaurin played with each other. That is true. Different system though, so you know he might have had to route, run around one way in college, and now it's a completely different way. So um, it, it's just something that I'm kind of thinking of there. Is he, um, you know, do you see him be, is he a guy that we should target in like dynasty leagues or is it someone, uh, maybe you would shop, you know, depending on the, uh, the other end of the deal. I mean, someone may have, I, I've got guys in leagues that, man, they love, love Terry McLaurin and, um, they just think the world of him and think he's going to be a superstar. Uh, to those guys, would you reach out to, to that guy in your league and try and make a deal and try and get a nice little haul for him, or is he a hold? I'm going to try to buy him if I can, hold him if I got him. I mean, if somebody wants to what I think is an overpay for Terry McLaurin, then I'm probably going to let him overpay. You know, do you guys ever do that? Like, there's a guy that you don't want to get rid of, but you just get what you feel is way above their value, so you move them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of the situation I'm in with Terry McLaurin right now. But I do... Do love Scary Terry. He got um picked a little bit before I picked him my rookie draft last year. I mean, I ended up with Darius Slayton in the fifth round, so nice. I'm nice. not going to complain about that. You know, either way, you're good, right? Yeah, yeah. As well, does anyone else have anything to add to uh, Scary Terry? Or I think my apprehension on everything about him is he's on the Redskins. 
Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's a really good apprehension like, to have too. Like he's just he's just on on the Redskins. He's not like hey, if Scary Terry is uh, on a, on a team that has a a for sure franchise quarterback, they know what they're doing. They have a set offense. They know what they're running. They had an opportunity to play together before in that offense. You're looking at a whole new system and a team that cannot even play together right now because of the current world situation. So who knows what's going on? They're just studying playbooks right now. So on the flip side it, of that, though, somebody's got to catch the ball there. Yeah. For me, I would have uh, Terry as a top twenty dynasty guy. Uh, so you know, a mid-tier wide receiver two with definite potential wide receiver one weeks. Um, okay. There were weeks, and you know, which he he would win you a week because he'd be in your wide receiver two, wide receiver three, and he'd put up you know twenty five plus points. Yeah, he had some nice games. Yeah, Definitely. I want to devil devil's advocate myself real quick here. Um, there's a chance that Dwayne Haskins and Scary Terry are sneaky, like wide receiver two and QB two, like possible upside QB one, because they're going to be playing from behind every week. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at garbage time point. now points. So now I've now, seen you know some trades this off season with Terry McLaren where he went for like a a mid to late first, which is probably selling high on him based off where you drafted him last year. So I guess, you know, that would be like a, a Terry McLaren versus a CeeDee Lamb or a Jerry Judy, Jalen Rager, uh, Justin Jefferson coming out of this class. So I think that's kind of a great place to value how you feel about him moving forward. You talked about selling, buying, holding him, comparing him against kind of the wide receivers that are coming out of this class. Right, right. And, uh, oh, man. You know, with all that being said, I think we're forgetting about Trey Quinn. Once upon a time, he had to slot on lock, and if he's healthy, you're looking at a, a slot receiver who is potentially going to be taking a lot of targets back. Yeah, but it, I think what helps McLaurin's value is there is zero tight end presence there in Washington. They got Thaddeus Moss. Who went undrafted? Mm. He's got opportunity, right? I don't know. I think we mentioned Logan Thomas before, right? I got and a tight end. I like their better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell tell us about him. I'm curious now. Um, uh, Logan Thomas. I'll I'll go ahead and admit I'm rooting hard for him this year. Uh, he went to the same high school as me. He's four years younger than me. He was a tight end his first two years in high school, and he was dynamic to say the least as a tight end um our starting quarterback went you know went off to college they asked logan to come in and move to quarterback so we moved to quarterback he took us to the state championship we lost but he took us there as a quarterback and um when he was recruited he was considered by some the number one athlete in the nation and he ended up choosing to go to virginia tech just because he did want to continue to play quarterback you know, obviously I didn't think that was the best position for him knowing what I saw in high school. So I was very, very happy when Buffalo brought him back into the NFL after he got cut by Arizona and told him, you can only play for us if you come back as a tight end. So he hasn't played tight. He's just getting back into playing tight end. But I guess it's just me and the nostalgia and seeing what he was in high school and then seeing what he's done for Detroit. You know, he made some plays – and Detroit is a tight end. So I think 
he has a chance to be their starting tight end this year, just based off of you know everything he was in college. And he's not that old; he's only twenty eight years old. Hey, so if he is the athletic freak you're talking about, uh, head coach Ron Rivera, hello, give me some of that Greg Olson love. Let's do it. I'll, I'll buy in on some Logan Thomas. I'm not paying a lot, but I'll buy in. Yeah, I mean, he's worth a, a late round. Uh, he's basically flyer. free. And well, I mean, his competition is coming around about, uh, Thaddeus Moss and Jeremy Sprinkle. 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 Yeah. Oh, Richard Rodgers is there, too, by the way. Yeah, they got Richard Robert, Richard Rodgers, Caleb Wilson, uh, a whole bunch of nothing. Yeah, someone's got to be the tight end there. Um, a lot of people... I don't know. They see something in Thaddeus Moss, but uh, he's so raw. Uh, he may end up being something in a couple of years, but uh, someone's got to be. Rookie tight, tight end. ends always take a couple years. Yeah. And some more than others, some longer than others, and some never at all. So, yeah, is there, I mean, is there a tight end? I mean, is it Logan Thomas? Is he the guy to own there? Or are we just dodging this whole tight end situation altogether? I think if you can get I would avoid it. for free, like next to nothing, go get him. If you have his roster spot, go bit, go get him. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. The, the coaching staff game. has come out and said that they are very excited about him. They came out and said that about a week, week and a half ago. Hmm. Well, guys, if there's nothing else to add there, I think we've covered everything, and we've had one heck of a show. Um I, I just to, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you guys for coming on. Rob, you're always great. Um, I, I, I appreciate having you on. You, your your insight is just top notch. Uh, Mike, you're you're fantastic, brother. Uh, I want everyone to go follow you um, at them Bauer. What is it? Them Bauer eighty five. I believe. Yep, at the M Bauer eighty five. Yep. You can, you know, there's links to everything else I do right on there. Yeah, yeah, because you've got the Dynasty Rewind, which is a fantastic show. You've got the Back Row, Thank you. Uh, Back Row Eagles podcast at Back Row Birds. Um, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Adam, uh, fantastic stuff with the Cowboys. You do a hell of a podcast as well at Back Row Cowboys. Uh, anything else you want to say uh, while we have you on here? I'd just like to thank you for the opportunity to come on and talk fantasy. Um, uh, I love talking fantasy football. Obviously, I kind of probably butted on everyone more than I should, but I'd like to thank you for the opportunity and for everyone. Um, you can follow me at a underscore Bo six fifteen. Um, you know, for all your Cowboys questions, all your fancy football questions. That's great. I, we do appreciate that. Tommy, uh, Tommy Harvey. We really appreciate you coming on talking a little Cowboys and talking everything else with us. Uh, with that being said, I want to thank everyone for listening to the PPR podcast. Um, tune in again. We will have a new show in a few days covering the uh, AFC South. Um, so uh, be on the lookout for that. But until then, like I said, thanks for listening. And everyone, please stay safe. <laughs>